0: as well good time to run the intro by the way guys um a lot of you complained that the intro graphic has a the intro video bit has a the volume is so high that it scares their cat when you turn it on so <laughs> so i don't want to scare their cat i did lower it a bit tell me if it's any better all right here we go Yeah, I don't get any sound on the intro as well, um, but the viewers do. But hey everyone, how's it going? Happy Friday. Um, how was the uh, how was the sound on that intro thing? Hopefully not too loud. But uh, let me know in the comments, live chat, wherever you are on this stuff. But yay! So I got yeah. He'll always say yay. Much better. So I got the wonderful right. pleasure of having the one and only Carlos Cano with us today. How's it going, man?
1: What's up? I, I'm already like a placeholder guest.
0: You're a placeholder guest? <laughs> you mean like a, <laughs> a recurring theme? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. what I meant,
0: yeah. yeah. well, I mean, it's a, considered an honor, I guess, because, you know, of all the dozens of people I've had on this thing, there's like a short list of people that I uh, like ask again. And at some point, I got too um, busy with just asking the same few people. And so I sometimes space out. Like I literally, when I'm thinking about who am I going to invite on again, I look at my my podcast page, see when the last time I'm like, I try to space them like two months apart. Because if it's just like, there's only four in a in a month, four of these shows in a month. So if it's just like every other, sh- like every four shows is like a lot, but like that's, the I will do like once every four, but then, you know, once every like eight is like seven or eight, it's like, yeah, that feels good. It feels like I'm not just, like running out of people to talk to, you know, um, be, but I've, I've, never I've done, done, actually started
1: yeah. to, I've actually started to appreciate doing the same people over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just gets more fun and you just like, it's less awkward in general. Uh, people yeah. get used to your ways.
0: Yeah. For these kinds of shows, I think that, um, familiarity with guests is good. Uh, with these just sort of like, you know, let's just chat about the news, all that kind of stuff. I think that, that helps to have a little bit of familiarity. Um, these shows, I have done a few, eh, not going to name names because I like all my guests, even the ones who are awkward, but there were a couple, they were a little awkward because it wasn't just, so tell me about yourself and your business. It's like, so what do you think of this thing in the market going on today? And then like, and then it's just like, oh, okay, okay. Oh. Oh, well, we'll get through this. It's only an hour. Well, the, the,
1: the, fir- the first episode that I did with you, I got pretty yes. drunk, and I'm pretty sure I was pretty outspoken about who I didn't like that came onto my podcast. Oh, was so it If um, you people like gossip, go go check out that one.
0: Was it on this channel?
1: On your channel, yeah. Yeah. The, the first one okay. I did on your channel.
0: Well, feel free to get pretty drunk if you want. to I mean, you only have like 50 minutes or so to do it, so... But okay,
1: uh, I, I it's uh, it's one mm-hmm. thirty. Well, which we well it's one eleven right now. So I'm I'm yeah. pretty sad that I have to work after this because the first time I got drunk, I I had a lot mm-hmm. of fun, but then I have to do shit after this.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. this is just like a lot of pre pre headline banter or whatever. So we got to wrap that part up pretty soon. But usually after these podcasts, because every other podcast day, I do a dash podcast afterwards because I did that before I started this channel and people wanted me to continue it. And after that, uh-huh. I do like a, like a zoom hangout thing called the after party. And so we, st- they still do it every, at least twice a month, but now people are starting to ask about like, Oh, are you going to do get on the after party after this? And like, yeah, so probably there will be an after party after this one. And in fact, there definitely will be, and I'll be on for like an hour and a half or so. And so if you guys want to, if you want to join, you can um, usually it goes from like, I guess, 5 p.m. our time, 4.30, 5 p.m. to like past midnight, sometimes depending on how many people are on, how many people are talking. So it's a, it's a fun hangout. So that's pre-advertising the after party. Uh, but remember, everyone who's watching is new, yeah, like and subscribe and say stuff in the comments. I appreciate of course, if you go to cointr.ee slash the desert lakes and leave a tip with your comment because then I'll flash it up on the screen like so. And yeah, and then I will not ignore you. Otherwise I may ignore you. So
1: let's just- Did you ever consider doing something like Twitch or something like that?
0: Yeah, I need to get on Twitch. The problem is like all this streaming, like it just, it didn't work out for me for whatever reason. Um, all the streaming stuff I've been doing just, you know, i feeds into my YouTube and odyssey channel. And of course I do it on like Facebook and Twitter. You might be watching this on Twitter, by the way. Uh, so I will have to go, you know, give Twitch another look. Cause I was using like a streaming service that uh, like a, a splitter or what has, as it were to a multi-stream service that I, I don't remember if I could go to Twitch as well. I think it's like limited in the number of options you can do, but I will revisit mm. that at some point. Uh, also, at some point, I'm just going to probably just sell some NFTs. And if you have an NFT, you get into the Telegram channel. And if you're in the Telegram channel, you can ask questions and I'll read right off that. I might have a little NFT exclusive club Telegram feed instead, instead of this clunky thing. But, you know, not talking too much crap about Cointree. So, are you poor yet?
1: <laughs> I'm, am I poor yet? <laughs> as far as I'm considerably poorer than I was a week ago. So, yeah, I would define myself as poor. Oh, about the end.
0: yeah, I, I sometimes I don't actually keep track of my net worth, which is probably not smart to do, but I do keep I keep track of the crypto I own, like the units of crypto, and I just don't just every maybe a couple times a year I'll like do the calculation and see well what's the purchasing power of that today. But, you know, I I kind of have a good grasp of, like, what I have in crypto terms, but, like, what that's worth. I don't know, like, what that's worth in today's things. It's kind of weird to, like, have it kind of backwards, whereas people say, I got, like, 400 grand in crypto. Oh, I only got 300 grand now. It's like, when the market dips, I don't actually lose money because I just lose the purchasing power of the money I have. And so it's maybe one reason I'm not as, like, crazy about the dips. But, um, yeah, this has been...
1: I'm also considerably less exposed to crypto than what people would uh, assume I am. Uh, yeah. uh, and I and I recognize live better <laughs> since I'm not 90% in crypto.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm sure we'll hit in just a second. But like, what, Bitcoin's like 37,000? ETH is two, yep. 2,700. That's like, so that's not bad at all. However... Wasn't didn't Bitcoin get up to like sixty eight or sixty nine thousand? So it's like almost lost half its value since then.
1: Yeah, I, I guess you don't compare the price to where you started. You compare the price to where you could have exited, and mm-hmm. that's where people start getting mad at, them, at themselves for not mm-hmm. selling. Um, I do get mad at myself for not set, for not setting my stop losses, which is something that I advise everyone to do. Uh, yeah, of course. But yeah, do as I say. <laughs> no, they do
0: yeah so uh that well here here's the big the big question everyone always asks and it's just it's you know it's not a very high intelligence question but like is this the bear market And so here's the thing is my my memory on crypto cycles is kind of foggy because i got in you know i had some bitcoin starting in mid 2013 and then it went to like 1100 i was like oh crap and then it by the time it crashed, like I don't, I didn't remember feeling too many negative things about the crash because I just didn't have that much and I wasn't very familiar. I wasn't watching too closely, and it was mostly when it went down to like two hundred all the way up that I was like earning it for you know and stuff like that. And so then I started paying more attention, uh, and I don't remember too much of the details of the pre bull market peak crash of 2017 when everything went like a big pretty big crash, I guess. And then a couple months later, it just went parabolic to like end out the cycle. So I don't remember how, if this is similar to that. Um, Of course, you know, history rhymes, it doesn't repeat. So I don't know. Do you think, do you think this is the end? Do you think the, the bull market is over and now it's in full on bear season?
1: So I am a collaborator to a DeFi protocol called mm-hmm. fringe finance previously bonded finance mm-hmm. and i took uh the, the founder of this protocol is a very big VC guy and he's mm-hmm. running he runs a couple of funds and so on so i, I asked him his opinion just on these a, a couple of weeks ago uh well remember people people were calling bear market last month and now they're calling it even louder so yeah what he said last month is that one month prior, prior to that, so two months ago, crypto reached a new cap milestone of $3 trillion. Mm-hmm. And that, that was only two months ago. So it, it's bizarre to presume that we're in a bear market just because um, one asset is crashing when everything else is doing mm-hmm. relatively well. If anything, I think it's a matter of perception where we should stop looking at Bitcoin's price even less as a marker of the whole industry these days. Um, Yeah. And perhaps that's a smart thing to do. And in the meantime, like the world economy, it's at a point where things are a bit tumbly right now, right?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that I think is very... uh, It's very... Like, I'm kind of trying to balance different realities because the world is... (laughs) It's quite simple in some ways, but quite complex in others. And the simple thing is the fundamentals, which is fiat currency is horribly outdated. And people, if people have an option to do with something that they they can do what they want with and it's not constantly inflated, et cetera, et cetera, they will, if they have the choice and they do have the choice now, they will. And so fiat's gonna go away. And also, which man, all those, all that inflation over the last couple of years is insane. So on the one hand, you know, crypto, and on the other hand, I understand that there's market cycles and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. And some of these are pretty predictable. And so I'm trying to kind of balance those types of things. I've heard some people who pay attention to the market side of things a lot closer to, than I do predict that, you know, oh, as we're going to see like a February, March, kind of that's when, you know, that's when the cycle is going to kind of top off and i mean that sounds good to me right i'd like it for the to be there because i i still wanted to go higher and i want to buy a couch or something like that while it's up there you know uh but yeah. you know i i don't know exactly i guess i'm prepared either way uh one question on that part um what do you think of the advent of interest bearing stable coins for this next bear market because it wasn't like there was always Tether, but there was a bunch of weird, shady stable coins in the past, like Tether. <laughs> and <clears throat> now there's so many different stable coins. And there's a lot of because of DeFi, there's a lot of places you can make a lot, like, say, 20 percent APY on a stable coin. And do you think that's going to change the way that the markets work in the or the, the crypto trader life instead of just selling at the top? They just move in to interest-bearing stable coins and then you know can kind of keep going from there.
1: So I actually wanted to talk to you about this because you're the you're the digital cash guy, mm-hmm. um, well, or basically the only person that I know that th- thinks about crypto very much in cash terms. Uh, yeah. So the, the Terra ecosystem is looking pretty cool these days. That uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going in there. And a lot of decentralized stablecoin issuance going in there. And like you said, a lot of those bear Mm. very good interest rates these days. Um, I I think that's honestly going to be what is going to prevent crypto going into a big bear market uh, ever again. And I mean crypto as a whole, not crypto as in Bitcoin. Mm. Um, Because you you sort of need people to start building systems where crypto actually acts as cash. And I think the Terra ecosystem is the first time we ever get a chance for that to happen. I mean, in the terms that we're used to, I know you're big on Dash and Dash mm-hmm. sort of has other implications, such as like pay points and mm-hmm. yeah, pay, payment points and things like that, Whether, whereas Terra, I feel, is better suited for an Amazon type of platform that runs on crypto or actually being implemented in these kind of platforms. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man, what, what do you think about about Terra?
0: So I don't, I haven't done a ton of research on Terra. I do know that people I'm close to and trust who have been in crypto since like 2010 and stuff, like 2011. You should check uh, out my article on Terra. you are very big. Yes, absolutely well. Uh, so basically that that's the top of my, basically in 2017, right? uh dash went up to a briefly it hit sixteen sixteen thousand sixteen hundred dollars per coin which is absolutely massive and that was most of what i had at that time was dash and just thinking about like where we are now which is like less than 10 percent of that it would have been nice to like have retained some of that value and of course like is it going back up there and past it possibly but like over a long enough time frame that it's just like you know it would have been like it's not like, oh, you don't believe in it, but it, it helps to when something spikes to move it into something that hasn't spiked and then be able to move it back. Not saying the dollar is ever going to spike. But so basically, I've, I'm probably going to move some of my stuff into, you know, I'm just thinking, they're just thinking out loud, right? You know, not financial advice. I'm just yeah. thinking out loud about what I might do. Uh, half of my crypto, something like that, a two third or a half, I might just put into some kind of interest-bearing stable coin, and the top of my list, from what I've seen so far, seems to be Terra, seems to be UST. Now, I haven't done my research to finish making that decision. I'm still, I'll probably not going to do anything until March, but that's just kind of what I'm thinking because, like, I think it's highly risky. <laughs> this is where we get. This is where it is crazy to say this, almost, but it's true. I think it's highly risky to have like more than half of your 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 money in fiat including stable coins. Like at even kind of during Mm. during a bear market less. But like I've seen like I mean I need to get a haircut. I was gonna get one today, but I didn't. But uh my haircut in the beginning of twenty twenty was sixteen dollars. Midway through twenty twenty went up to eighteen. Now it's twenty. I see prices increasing in front of my eyes. I see the money supply like I see inflation's going crazy. basically what is it, like seven percent for the US dollar or something? It's something pretty high. So if you have like a stable coin and you make seven percent APY, you're just locking in your value. You're not you're just not losing money, which is insane. And so you have to if you make like twenty percent or something, then it's like, okay, well you make like thirteen percent, you know? So I kind of view holding fiat as like holding, it's kind of like holding, you know, bolivares, right? You hold Venezuelan currency and it just goes, just disappears before like the value just is losing constantly. And so you have to like spend it right away. I kind of view fiat like that, like stable coins. So it has to have a high It's only when crypto is crashing faster than that, that it makes sense. But it's like, what if crypto doesn't, like what if crypto just doesn't crash again? What if this is the biggest crypto crash? What if the crypto, this is the bottom. What if this is the bottom of the crypto market right now forever and it's just not going to go too astronomically higher, but it's just going to slowly build from there. Again, I don't know if I believe I don't think I believe that, but there's a possibility in which case I put it all in fiat and just goes in the toilet. And it's like because you put it all in something you don't believe in, which is fiat. Like so I would I'm probably going to do like a a 50 percent. And then whenever I feel like everything's bottomed out and starting to go back up, I'll just like get rid of all of it and put it in something that's, you know, probably going to go up in value. And of course, doing some DeFi way where I'm earning interest on, or you know, staking rewards or whatever it is on the better kind of token.
1: So the the one thing that's very smart, first of all, and doing it in the. Terra ecosystem, I think, makes sense. Uh, I'm on the same exploration thing as you, so I also Mm -hmm. do not do this. Uh, But in my opinion, based on my research, and again, Mm -hmm. not financial advice, the Terra ecosystem is where to go to do this. Mm
0: -hmm. Now,
1: they are climbing fast. Uh, They are doing things in a much better way than DAI, I think. Mm -hmm. So for the first time, we have a a decentralized stablecoin that's issued on a somewhat capital-efficient manner, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that doesn't get talked about. Uh, Because with DAI, what happens is that most people would not care to mint DAI, and therefore there is not enough DAI in the economy to be significant, because it just means locking away their assets and there are better better things that they can do with their assets, Mm -hmm. including other lending platforms that are non-maker. Terra is very good in that regard. What I was going to say, I read this theory about how crypto is actually acting as a way to prevent inflation from happening because so much of the money supply and so much money from the stimulus checks and all that is just flowing straight into crypto so people are realizing that and this is a theory in any ways uh this is by an economist and as we all know economists don't do (laughs) don't really know that much more than us Uh, yeah but but if this is flowing into assets like Bitcoin is actually preventing prices from inflating more because it has somewhere to go Mm -hmm. and that's what's making that's what also played a long part on the prices going as high as they did right in the middle of the worst worst crisis of the last I don't know how many years for the world economy Mm
0: -hmm. yeah also it's the market cycle thing and this is like it's funny because everything you learn about, especially something new, is a rabbit hole. And everything is connected with everything, kind of. And so every time I learned, like, crypto has taught me so much about the the old world because it's like, well, how does the old world work and stuff? So, like, in terms of, like, market cycles and investment and all that kind of stuff, I, I was knew very little about any of that before crypto. And so now getting into crypto, it's like, oh, the fiat world does it this way. So in that whole thing... Um, Cryptos are like stocks kind of today. Uh, but mm-hmm. the thing is in there because they're mostly speculative and you know, you speculate on like equity and companies and stuff like that, the difference is cryptos are the end user product as well, kind of. It's just we don't have a lot of end users. The end users mm. before were speculators. But now we have end users and like to doing stuff like, you know, every time you want to like again, I don't know too well how Terra works. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll know a lot more after I read your article, which was kindly linked in the Odyssey chat. Um, first light said, "Just found a DecoR.net." So, the I'm sure that every time someone wants to put money in to do something like that, you know, they need to. They need to buy the token and something that kind of pushes price up. Like here's the thing with these cycles. I think the NFT hype cycle is going to be over at some point. But I don't think people are going to stop making NFTs just because, oh, I don't know, the crypto markets are down. I'm not going to make NFTs anymore. No, they're going to be making NFTs all throughout the bear market. In fact, yeah. probably probably increasingly as more and more people get in. And you can't make NFTs without having whatever token like Ethereum or WAX or whatever else. You need that to Tessles. mint the NFTs. Yes. You need those tokens to mint the NFTs. So you got to buy the tokens and if you're buying the tokens that pushes the price up so i think that when crypto ends up becoming like a mainstream asset where you you just people you're just buying it all the time for non-speculative reasons this could complete i wouldn't say completely change but it will like change things so like i don't i don't know are there cycles like this market cycles like this with fiat currencies like ones that people like spend like versus like the dollar versus like do people buy the dip on the euro when the euro goes down against the dollar <laughs> and then they just like wait until like the dollar goes and they put it back in the dollar like I'm sure that happens to a certain extent but I don't think it happens nearly to the extent that it happens in other markets
1: uh, that's uh, that, that's a way to look at that uh, I mean p- people do buy dips uh, of uh, mm-hmm. I I've I read stories of George Soros buying dips on mm-hmm. fiat currencies, um, yeah. uh, but I, I don't know too much about that. What I was going to ask you is, well, mm-hmm. and moving into the headlines of the day, uh, the, what do you think Russian... about this whole Russia thing? That looked like the perfect segue for that.
0: Yeah, uh, I really don't. I mean, didn't they already do this? Like, I don't. I seem to remember from back in the day when China was like starting to become everything as far as crypto, like all oh, China bans it's going to be a problem. I seem to remember that it was not legal in Russia or it was frowned upon or it was clack. And I, just, I seem to just remember like a lot of regulatory uncertainty, but they weren't. And then I seem to remember Russia relaxing again. This is memory. This is not <laughs> quoting facts. I didn't look too deeply into it. I seem to remember them relaxing. Some things or becoming a little slightly open so this whole thing doesn't really, like, bother me, I guess. I don't know how much was actually... I do know every time I hear about, like, crypto geniuses, there's a bunch of Russian names there, like, as far as, like, coders and stuff. So there's clearly a lot of, like, you know, shadowy Russian super coders or whatever who are building a ton of, you know, crypto protocols and things. But I don't know. I just don't think this is... I just don't think this is like. Today I was thinking about this. Yeah. There are a bunch
1: of, like, the crypto ecosystem is hugely Russian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you do see like even the, the and this is not going to sound nice but like there's a major point to that you see people from doctors that are ceos of protocols and ceos of projects and big ones as well and are just mm-hmm. like information architects all the way down to the spammers and to mm-hmm. the fucking people that text you in your telegram chat do you want some marketing bro um mm-hmm. th- these guys are all russian man the, the crypto ecosystem is hugely Russian, and well, they're a huge nation, it has to be. Uh, so it's just interesting that they're pulling that kind of move on their own people, especially when they're not doing that well economically.
0: Yeah. And that's going to be something I think is very um, interesting to watch. Like a lot of especially Latin American nations are exploring, ec- like explicitly legalizing cryptocurrencies, if not making them legal tender and things like that. Uh, but it's obviously the US is going to be one of the last places because it has like global hegemony with the dollar but it's kind of funny to see China which could have had a it's always like trying to everywhere the US is failing the US Empire fails China's like there like they're like oh we'll do it you know and so it's kind of funny to see China just chase crypto out of the country basically not obviously that's not hundred percent true but it's it's funny to see them, crackdown on crypto when crypto is what could give them the edge over their old nemesis. It's the same thing with Russia, right? Like if I mean Russia welcomed Snowden in with open arms because he was such a I guess powerful tool against the US government's control, but like you think that they'd want to welcome that stuff in too. I think they just realize it's too dangerous what was to it? their powers. Sorry? Like with Edward Snowden when they kind of adopted Snowden, yeah. It, like I'll, you almost think the thing is, I think they knew that Snowden they could control him, maybe not control him, but like that he wouldn't cause a lot of problems for them. whereas
1: I'm ninety eight percent sure he's a puppet. You think uh, and, so? and at this point, they're just keeping him alive because he yeah, <laughs> it's just a yeah. big fuck you to America
0: yeah, well, that's that's what it is. it's I think it's because it's a problem for it's a problem for the u s power but it's not a problem for their power right now. And so, but the thing was about crypto is if you like if you entertain crypto, if you let crypto take off in Russia, your ability to directly hurt the US dollar, it's not direct. The whole world needs to get on crypto for it to really start hurting the US dollar. Russia getting on crypto doesn't do that. It does give it a competitive advantage against some place like the US. However, it also in doing so completely destroys whatever control the Russian government had over the finances of its people. And I don't think that they're willing to do that. So that's kind of like where that's going. I, I don't think that, um, I don't know. I don't, It's just that I think when you see, you know, the U S as a superpower still somehow, <laughs> and then you have like the, the lesser powers like, but they're still all, all the powers still have control of to some degree over the currency of their people and i think when you get smaller countries like especially like El salvador where you have like the dollar being used and stuff like the the actual currency is just no one is no one really cares they don't really have that control so they're they're more than willing to welcome in cryptocurrency for its benefits because they they're not going to lose out on a lot of power because they didn't have that power to begin with did did you see did did
1: you see Bukele meeting with Erdogan? I I wonder what that was about, man.
0: No, um, was that recent?
1: No, like yesterday. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm in a I'm in a Cypriot crypto group, and one of their pet mm-hmm. peeps is Erdogan because like <laughs> that they, they have such a weird relationship with um with Turkey, and so that's the only way way I learned about this. I, I don't think. Um, the mm. salvadorian press department is going out of their way to advertise this situation but yeah they met yesterday and the turkish lira is one of those It's basically the bolivar of europe or the argentinian mm-hmm.
0: peso of europe um so or you the see zimbabwe them... dollar of europe or you know, or, exactly. or go on, <laughs> on, on.
1: It, it just gets progressively more explosive <laughs> depending yeah. on your continent uh but like you would think okay they he must be thinking of bitcoin or or something to like kind of get away from the situation and th- this guy is a proper dictator we don't yet know if uh, bukele is a dictator but we know that erdogan is and mm-hmm. so it kind of brings vibes of like, again, from Venezuela, Maduro trying to implement Bitcoin to sort of salvage his situation. So mm-hmm. they, they must be thinking about that. It'll be interesting to see it happen. Uh, on the Russian front, though, last time I talked to you on this podcast, there was also a trend of something going on with India or with China or mm-hmm. that there was another food that had just impacted the market. And mm-hmm. I, I do believe you're right that Russia has pulled uh, China before. I just don't remember when. But um, l- last time I talked to you, there had just been something like this. And I remember we were talking about the geostrategic position of the U.S. among all of these. Mm-hmm. And I think this pretty much seals the deal, right? Like the U.S. is going to have to go all into cryptocurrency and supporting this thing to further distance itself and try to ride that wave of innovation at least that would be like the sensible move
0: yeah which it's kind of funny because uh that's that might come back to terra i don't know how the us government's going to deal with stablecoins i know they've t- they've spoken most harshly i think in the past on like tokens like like icos like illegal security sales as they call it yeah. And then it seems like their next biggest enemy is stable coins, where they, they see it as counterfeiting basically. Like they don't want people making fake US dollars kind of thing. Which, you know, I I don't think that's the big thing you should be worried about. And then after that it seems like they're worried about DeFi. And then after that, very down on the list is like privacy coins that they used to not like. And now they just realize they can track a lot of them anyway, but also they just don't care because People aren't, people are just like hiding them away or buying weird things with them. They, it's not like DeFi and stuff where people are making a ton of money and not giving them any of it. You know, that's, that's what yep. they're worried about. But so I, I wonder, um, I wonder about the, like the, the stablecoin market is going to be impl- impacted by, by what the US regulators decide to do. But I, I mean, in fact, I think that stable coins are a fantastic way for the government to retain power. Because oh you do your crypto stuff, do your DeFi stuff, just but just do it all with stable coins and then they can still print and devalue those stable coins and make money. You know, they can destabilize the stable coins and make their money. So like they should like stable coins because if people you know, let's just say people use Bitcoin instead, they like the government can't get any of that unless they go to the people who make money off of that and just say, We want some of your capital gains. Like it's a lot more inefficient.
1: I have I have very similar ideas about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, if I was the government and I see people doing crypto and all that, I at least would want them to keep it pegged to my own fiat currency because well, it's just more dollars in the market. Well, well, mm-hmm. What do I care? It's just like solidifying the position of the dollar. No one deals with Singaporean stablecoin dollars. Um, no one deals with Mexican pesos in stablecoin form. It's just like. Yeah, man, but bring every, do- dollarize everyone, make everyone adopt the dollar in the stablecoin form. I, yeah. I think that's, I mean, from my very limited understanding, that sounds like a win.
0: Yeah, the thing is, uh, and too bad, I think this was a headline last time, but um, I think that what they want to do is they want, they're planning on doing a CBDC anyway. And I think they think that stablecoins coins get in the way of that, because why do you want a CBDC if you literally have one that they don't control, even if they control the value? Um, do you remember when Tether like blocked a whole bunch of payments? Was it last week or something like that? But you know, I don't... Te- Tether uh, blacklisted some addresses and like froze some payments and stuff on Ethereum, I think. But you know, because Tether has the ability, it's a centralized, it's like a bank, right? It has the ability to control its, you know, fake version of dot, fake version of fake money, right? And so, yeah, that's what the. I think that what the central banks see in CBDCs is, right now, like they can control the money, but they can't control direct. They indirectly control where it goes because the banks and the payment rails and all that send them around, and the central bank doesn't control that, but they can go to the banks and say block that guy's payment close that guy's account it just takes more work when you have a cbdc they can block it all at the root they can just they don't have to even talk to a bank through, or paypal or whatever they can just stop it right there and so they want that and so when they see stable coins come out they're like no someone's gonna like get to market before us and then they won't be able to stop those they want everyone using their version of tether or whatever where they can still block payments it's like Yeah, you could go do your DeFi stuff, but now we know everyone who's doing DeFi and what they owe in taxes and stuff. And honestly, I think that if people, um, you know, a lot of the banks are not going to be happy with DeFi because it's like if you make 20% in a savings account on a stablecoin, compare that with a bank account, what a bank account makes. But the central, but the federal government doesn't really care. Because if you're making that, they can just tax you on that anyway. And they can just say, hey, sorry, banks, you should have bought it. You should have aped into Luna, you know, or whatever. <laughs> or, you know, aped into their CBDC. Um, let's get a- on a- this.
1: Aping into this. Aping into Luna is something I may be guilty of. <laughs> yeah. As, as of a couple of weeks ago when I was doing research for my article. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just one of those things where. And you think, who is smart enough to design this thing? Because it's so simple, and yet it must have so many complex parts to it, where, mm. where I just wonder, wh- what does it take to actually make this happen? That, that, that's just a random thought. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the fake US dollars and CBDCs. Um, is it just me, or, or did the conversation about CBDCs just suddenly seem to stop?
0: Um, it kind of did. I think that there, I th- honestly think that the reason for that is that um, there's a half and half of like half the governments just realized, you know what? We'll just let crypto happen. You know, like the El Salvador type places as well, just use what's already there. And that's a that's a much better way of taking away getting power taking away from like, I guess the US. And, but I think the other ones are quiet because they're going to release their state their cbdc soon like as far as stuff like the us and things like that I think you know it's like people always get quiet before a big release or big announcement um like people would say with like you know big sparse arts is when these two guys are like tweeting each other I'm gonna fight you bro and I'm gonna fight you and then they get quiet it's always because they have a deal signed and they just haven't announced the, the fight date yet it's like the same kind of a thing. I think a lot of these countries are going to come out with a CBDC in short order. Um, and they just, they just haven't yet. Ooh, We got a um, super chat here from Anonymous. We've been fortunate that the regs passed in the U.S. Congress haven't hurt projects yet. There were some weird texts in the last bill regarding devs and their liabilities. Yeah. Uh, do you remember anything about that? I don't know how closely don't... You, you keep track of US legislation which I hope it's not too <laughs> close because it's it's stupid but um but
1: I, I have a I, yes. I have a cool story um Panther mm-hmm. protocol the, the, it's a privacy project uh, and what mm-hmm. they basically want to do is to create a system that creates a synthetics of every token in every chain and mm-hmm. that move within multi-asset shielded pools so it's basically dark pools for everything so like Mm -hmm. you can do all your defi activity but in a private setting and it's led by some smart people and it's uh, i obviously have something to do with them so like i i know it pretty Mm -hmm. well um they're the the way they try to work it around it because obviously they're very worried about the liabilities of their developers uh, because yeah they're basically doing something that could be turned illegal if someone decided to. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they did is that they set up this system. So they actually developed the whole thing, but they, they make it so that it's up to a DAO on whether to release the protocol or not. So the code is there sitting in the smart contracts and the snapshot or the boat decides whether to make this thing live. And well, according to them and the research they've done and their legal illegal team uh, this somewhat like removes the liabilities from the developers and i think this is a this could be an interesting primitive that we see implemented in other projects in the future uh, because it basically makes you fully decentralized from day one uh, without having to be fully decentralized from day one Uh, i mean from day zero which is what takes years and years and years to bootstrap
0: yeah that could be you know that could be a good thing. Um, the sever, like severing the difference between code writing and code implementation, you know, that's the big thing is the problem is like a lot of times developers have put out a release and then it's just like, all right, run it, the- like run it or not, but they still put out the release. It's still like, this is the newest version of the software. You built this project to be non-compliant or whatever, rather than, you just have a potential pull request and then everyone else votes to put it in that could be one thing part of it is just having developers outside of the jurisdiction or anonymous <laughs> developers or you know whatever else and i guess if if you push the the risk out onto the dao then it's token holders voting who become liable and then it's like then you have to worry about the privacy of those tokens because if they're not private if someone can see you bought like like a ton of whatever dao token on like coinbase <laughs> and then it's just like they can see like hey where did that how did that guy vote oh no he voted to do criminal activity throw him in jail <laughs> like that could be a problem well, the, so
1: the, the the system actually was set up in a way so the voting also happened privately mm-hmm. uh the, the, it, it was re- really clever the, the way they set it up I, I was helping them with their communications through it so that, that's mm-hmm. how i learned so much about it um and so they um They create a system where you mint a non-transferable token that represents your vote, but that gets sent to another wallet. So people know that obviously you KYC for the sale Mm -hmm. and that you registered to buy the tokens, which entitles you to vote. But the system sort of obscures how you voted. So Mm. no one can sort of... Prove that you were in the yeah let's say two percent that voted were. that voted no or or in the ninety eight percent that voted yes because obviously people voted yes because they won their fucking tokens that they bought
0: yeah uh, which it, it's kind of funny how that sort of stuff works because uh, most of my DAO experiences of course from the Dash DAO and st- when you can see exactly how every single masternode voted. The thing is you just don't know who's behind which master because that part isn't isn't public. And so you just say like all right, this is how the vote this one voted this way, but you don't know who's behind that. But of course if you have you know some blockchain analytics and you just say like oh this guy bought this much and oh this I bet this is this person's uh node. So for example, there was some project that got paid a bunch of money and they really like they didn't do a very good security. They moved it directly into masternodes and then they voted against every competitor <laughs> that was trying to do the same thing and they got busted for it and it's just like ah oh, he got that and then there's some other people who have done um voting cluster analysis because if you have more than one masternode you tend to vote altogether and so if you have 87 nodes all of a sudden 87 node whale votes at the same time you can kind of decide that they're the same person the same like entity mm. and then or even you know it's like because it's all, all out there on the blockchain you can get you know you can go see that it's so then there's like oh yeah that guy doesn't like you and then they in some cases someone was like tracing someone to like a, a hosting provider who's like oh only like old school people like who are in the project in like 2014 like only they like tend to use that guy so this must be an old school whale. why does he hate you so much he's voting against all your stuff and like it's kind of funny how that works, but like, as you were mentioning, like zero knowledge proofs to where you can prove that a node voted without being able to prove how they voted or correlate them with the node without leaving anything like that. I think that's the next level of governance, which obviously is probably, you know, being implemented right now. But yeah, that'll be, wouldn't that be great for like public elections, like in the, the government world where you could cryptographically verify that everyone had voted and who they voted for but you couldn't trace it back to the person just that,
1: that that would be the ideal case uh mm-hmm. I, I, and this sort of ties back to the thing you said like mm-hmm. the best obviously the ideal thing is have the developers be from a problem i am mean, from a place where there will be no problem mm-hmm. uh, but even if you move all of them what if they go back home right and what mm-hmm. if the russian and the imprisons them or whatever and mm-hmm. I, I reckon that may have a lot to do with this piece of thought against uh, russia well with russia right now because mm-hmm. if so many people are from there what happens to those people i yeah. certainly do not think uh, russia is going to be fully transparent
0: about what they're going to be doing of course not they're not transparent about much of anything at all uh, let's well, on which the government is <laughs> i don't think any I think none of them want to, obviously, but I don't think any of them have to be enough. Uh, but let's hit on this Robin Hood story. So the Robin Hood crypto wallet is in testing now and a thousand users can withdraw their crypto. So that was one of those concerns in the beginning with when Robin Hood and PayPal specifically got into the crypto business was that it it was could have been like fractional reserve crypto, right because they just say, oh yeah, you got some Bitcoin on here. It's like, sure, you just take their word for it. You can't remove it. And I don't remember if PayPal lets you withdraw yet, but finally, like Robinhood is where all the people were doing the Game Stonks thing. They were trading GameStop stock and all that yep. stuff. And then when that got shut down, they're like, we're going to move into Dogecoin instead. And then Dogecoin became big on Robinhood. But then you couldn't withdraw your Dogecoin. And so now you can. So that's going to be interesting. I wonder if you're going to have a lot of people like dumping their dogecoin now or whatever but basically now it's kind of real it's kind of real crypto now i guess because if you can get it out now it's you know it's real it's not just like a fake thing
1: So so it's, it's no longer like uh what was it called the shiba wallet the, yeah. this time it's bitcoin for real oh yeah for- um <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know about this thing until you sent me this link i, I thought it was pretty cool like i certainly wasn't expecting Robinhood to to go out of mm-hmm. their way to allow people to withdraw uh, but the app pro- props to them if they fully deploy this program i mean mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't it be cool just to be able to have your grandma buy bitcoin on robin hood I, I guess like they must have well like the simplest interface mm-hmm. in the out there and then just have the techie people withdraw it if they want, or people withdraw it as they learn more. I yeah. I, I see this as very positive. I don't know why it isn't making more noise.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe just broke, and also maybe a lot of people don't care that you can withdraw to begin with. You know, a lot of people are like, I got, mm. I don't care, and it's just only people like us maybe care but we don't care about robinhood to begin with so it's like the people that care about robinhood and care that you in the draw are just there's just not as many people uh i think it's it reminds me of uh what's it called it reminds me of a chat i had with uh, brian harrington not too long ago and he's like a a big bitcoin maximus guy who likes to uh promote the actual use of bitcoin as money with like lightning network and stuff and he was talking about how like strike The app lets a lot of people get into Bitcoin a lot easier, and it's not perfect because it's custodial, right? They they hold your money, and you need to do KYC in order to use the app, but it's like the three things that suck about banking today, right? Is one, you have to use government-controlled money, like they can inflate away the money. The second thing is the banks or whatever institution holds your money. You have to ask permission to get it out, and the third thing is you have to ask their permission to use it. And I want to solve. I mean, I in the personal, my personal life, I've solved all three, but most people have solved none of them. But like, if you get to hold your balance in crypto, and then you still need, but someone else still holds it for you and could take it away, and someone else can still. It's a marginal improvement. It is an improvement, and so something like Robinhood. It, it sure it's great. You can like it is crypto now. It's confirmed. You can take it out, but you know I'd rather people not use services like that. But it's still an improvement over not having crypto at all.
1: I think also the and but putting a different spin to what you just said, the the Robin Hood. Who's the Robin Hood user? Um, mm-hmm. And what are they in there for? I I don't know if that could be potentially bad for things in the long term. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I reckon like this puts back a question in my mind that I had a long time ago, which is like, why would it? How would the world be in which all normies know about Bitcoin or about mm-hmm. crypto in general? How would the prices look in that case? How would things um, be? Because stocks are not like that. Mm-hmm. Stocks are not even for, I wouldn't say they're mass adopted, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people try and play with stocks, but certainly your average person doesn't own stocks. And if they do, they own it through like a fund or something. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, so so uh, I I would say there's sort of a
1: fault in the system.
0: The thing is it might, cryptos are, uh, they're similar to stocks in some ways, but they are also like similar to money in other ways and even further ways. They're similar to, like, game tokens. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy how they're much more accessible by nature. So I think there will be a lot more people, you know, if they're like, oh, I get, just get to use this stock app that, like, all the kids are using, but you can get some crypto in there, you know, and then they just never have to withdraw it if they don't want to or whatever. Uh, but there's some obviously some risks with that, which <laughs> rolls right in. the next one. Crypto.com withdrawals, uh, pauses withdrawals due to suspicious activity um yeah so there was a essentially um and there's like layers to this story right there are some hacks that happened or a lot of users 2fa i believe was compromised on crypto.com a lot of people lost money in a recent hack and so they paused withdrawals uh which is a great sign of like you know centralized entities are uh Honey pots to a certain extent because people can just like take your money but also i heard from a couple friends of mine who are crypto.com customers they're they got reimbursed they reimbursed customers in crow token like in their native token what? so if you if you got someone stole <laughs> ethereum from you you got the crypto.com token to reimburse you which is like not the same, <laughs> <That's> a, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little sketch. And so that's like the ultimate because a lot of times I was saying like, oh, look at this. Use this app. You can spend crypto. It's great, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, And they're like, well, I already just have this Crypto.com card. I just swipe and then it works. I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same. And then now you're kind of seeing stuff like that, like getting blocked, losing money, getting reimbursed. It was like, I forget which was the exchange in the, the years past that came up, had some epic hack. They lost so much money and they couldn't pay back their customers. So they gave them like IOUs. They're like, oh yeah, well, here, take IOUs instead. Was it Mt. Gox? No, it was somewhere in between. They didn't do IOUs, right? No, I think they just went, just went bust.
1: <laughs> just, just so funny that they decided to pull that move and think that was a good idea. And I think mm-hmm. to some extent it did work because I, I this is the first time I hear that they paid people back in their own token. And their token yeah. is now a top 20 token. Like, they're doing all right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a decent token to hold, I guess. But, man, I don't know. Like, as a crypto person, I would not be happy if that was me.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because it only makes... It only makes sense if they're solvent, if they're a profitable company. Oh, yeah, take our token. It's just like, what happens if you, let's just say, are an Apple employee or whatever, and there's some internal something that prevents you from getting paid one month, but then they just pay you an Apple stock instead? And it's like, well, Apple's huge, and their stock's worth a lot. So even though it's a shady move, it still kind of works. But like, yeah. what happens if you're in a small startup? You know, what happens if you have like a community bank, you know, they're just like a, it's only in like your town or like a few little towns like that, which you know doesn't really exist that much anymore. But like you you they get a lot of money, they have a bank robbery and then they like pay you back in like bank bonds or something like, like and you're just like, oh, no, they just don't have the money to pay me back. It's like that's one of those things here. I don't think that's a good precedent. And I think that, because um, Crypto.com is throwing money everywhere. Like, was it the Staples Center got reprinted to the Crypto.com arena? And then... The,
1: I, I, I was thinking about that. that They just purchased, like, the name of a stadium or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, the UFC is everyone's brand with Crypto.com stuff. I just see it everywhere. Just YouTube ads everywhere. It's... Like they must have a ton of money, or either that or they must not have a ton of money. And they're just spending money they don't have to try to get this. You know, they might have done a pump and dump with their token just to finance getting everywhere, but so they can afford to pay. Oh, we'll just mint some more tokens and then just pay people back with it, or you know, we'll just take some of this and just pay people back with it. But at some point, people are going to want I don't know, that's a dangerous game to play. That's all I'm saying.
1: That's the, the, the newest game to play, um, mm. in a stupid note, <laughs> and, yes. and this is just like the stupid comment of the day. But I was thinking about this earlier today. Have you found mm. it? Th- don't you find it funny how people try really hard to avoid saying sex, like as in a centralized exchange, um, yes. like when they have to, the, the, when they have to read that acronym, they either chuckle or yeah. ju- just try and. Uh, uh cut in the middle of the word uh, i think it really, it's really funny how this industry sort of like uh it shut itself in the foot with that uh, with that acronym
0: with dex you know cuz dex the thing is uh
1: dex works yeah dex work
0: yeah because it sounds like a deck like a deck of cards like plural decks yeah. or it sounds like you know like a, a pitch deck like dex it kind of sounds like that of course it does also kind of sound like dicks but it's it's different enough that it's not like saying dex, it's far, dex. it's far. But, the, but then the thing is, I guess I, I understand because if you say, Oh yeah, it's like every sex out there, whatever is, you know, going down, it it's confusing to people. It's not a precise terminology, right? If you just say like, so, Oh, yeah. you know, you know, she got invested in a sex. It's like, you have to think about, you have to think contextually before you know what she's talking about. But if you say "CEX," it's like centralized exchange i just say centralized but I, eat the central. I, I, I guess
1: like people, uh, we invented mm-hmm. the term dex to refer to something that was different. And now yeah. that they're common enough that you have to make the distinction of what kind of exchange you're using. And yeah, yeah pe- people just have trouble with that term. And I find it super funny. Hey, I have to run soon. So I want to, I, wanna, um, I, I mm-hmm. wanted to touch on the last piece of news that you sent me. This yes. news about this guy who made a bunch of money selling NFT selfies on OpenSea. Because this made me think, remember how in the early days of YouTube Mm -hmm. or the internet, these videos got really popular where people would take a selfie for every day for Mm -hmm. five years and they make it into a time lapse and you would see how they changed. And I find it amazing that this dude was the first guy to ever actually make it into into nfts first of mm-hmm. all he must have spent a fortune on transaction fees so th- this game must be a millionaire already but <laughs> a- a- aside from that it's pre- pretty cool what they did I- i'm glad it turned out well for him
0: yeah it, it's pretty crazy and innovative because people have made have done that before and they've done a time-lapse selfie video that they put on youtube or tiktok and monetize and made some money off of it been like a very crude sort of a way this guy just made it and then sold it as opposed to made it into a video that then advertisers get on like this weird, it, it, it's, this is like mark my words, right? This is um, NFT. There has to be whatever NFT network, that has to be a, a really easy bridge to whatever digital cash you want to use in your daily life, because no one gets paid in crypto. They might, you know, you might find a workaround their crypto community gets paid in crypto you might find someone who gets their salary auto-converted or something like that or just has a bunch of investments. But the the creative world earns crypto because of NFTs. They wouldn't make money. There's no money or they make it in crypto. It's like those choices. And so those mm. people work well to spend their money. And so you need to get whatever NFT network out there, like whether it's Ethereum or whatever, you need to have... The good thing is something like ThorChain is Ethereum-supported. So if they make... A bunch of ether because they, you know, made all their stuff on NFTs. They can swap it to whatever else um, that's on Thorchain to just live on to spend in a daily daily life. That's going to be what brings you know mass adoption. Just like I think the creativity of the NFT space is not going to slow down during the bear market, and there will be constant demand for buying NFT tokens like say Ethereum or something like that, NFT enabling ones. But then when it comes time to actually spend it and use it where people have done everything with crypto except try to use it as money like I do basically I think that's the missing link that's just what I think
1: by the way we also wrote an an article about ThorChain greatly thanks to you because you were Mm -hmm. the one who introduced me to it Uh, uh, man I'm loving ThorChain I'm loving what Mm -hmm. they do Uh, I love the transparency I love the humor that they use Uh, I I think they're great in in every
0: way (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to take off soon, don't you?
1: Yeah, I have to take off. And thank you for this, man. Always a fun time.
0: Well, yeah. Well, let's just wrap this thing up then, guys. So, yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for the tips. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for everything. Hope you had a good time. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Follow Carlos at CarlosCanCab on Twitter. And... D-Core, D-Core is the YouTube channel, right? Where you do most of your stuff. Exactly. And the website... We do
1: do the podcast in there and we are... Well, this is a crypto research firm, so we put out pretty cool stuff. If you Mm -hmm. want to check us out, our site is D-Core.net. And yeah, yeah, hope to see everyone in there. We have had also Joel on episodes in there, so go Mm -hmm. check it out. And I hope to see you soon on that podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well... I'll see you guys later. Thanks again, Carlos. And for those who know what it is, after party time. Yay. Oh, see you guys around. Mm,
1: See you maybe in the after party in a while.
0: Yes, possibly.
1: Yeah. All right. See you.
0: All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shopin'Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.